Speaking queerly. Hello, my name is Madame Jo Mama, and you are listening to Speaking Queerly, the podcast. It is Dumfries and Galloway's one and only LGBTQIA plus podcast. And as usual, I am joined by my wonderful co-host, just back from Paris nonetheless. <laughs> it's Rudy Thinsmith. Hello, gorgeous. Hello, darling. Joe, how are you tonight? I am stunning, darling. Thank you. How are you? I am... Oh, I'm quite well. I'm happy enough to be back in Dumfries after after just. My, my trip away. Um, just happy enough. Just happy enough. I mean, it is raining, so... Welcome back. Yeah, forgive me some of my uh, trepidations, but I am nonetheless delighted to be here with you and excited to be bringing another episode of Speaking Queerly to you listening at home. Uh, You can find us in all the usual places online on Facebook under Speaking Queerly with Madame Jo and Rudy or on Instagram and Fred's under Speaking.Queerly. Absolutely. We're going to get into your little trip to Gay (laughs) Pelly. We'll talk a little bit about Rishi Sunak's new cabinet and their stances on the LGBTQI plus community. That's a lot. You'll have a fact. I will have a fact. You will have a fact. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming redress event as well. Absolutely. And all that and more, including... Read it, read it. <laughs> I love that segment so much. Absolutely adore read it, read it. So we will be back in just a moment. So bonjour, Rudy. Bonjour, ma chérie. Oh, fucking chick. <laughs> chick, you begin. Very that. So you're back. I... Your wee excursion. I am. I am. I'm delighted to be back in Dumfries and Galloway, despite having had... A marvellous time in Paris. So you went with your fiancé, you went with your sister, your sister's first time in Paris, right? It was, it was. Uh, Me and my fiancé had been in Paris for our engagement trip a few years back. Um, I think, God, how long have I been engaged? But five years? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Um, But my little sister, she had never been to Paris. And it was actually after we got back from Athens that Derry had massively got the travel bug. (laughs) (laughs) And he went to my wee sister and he said, you need cultured. We're going to take you to Paris. Uh, So we locked it in. So we went away for four nights and it was absolutely lovely. It looked gorgeous. Do you know what? It was... It was really nice. I mean, I, we were talking on the one of the previous episodes just before I went away about sort of queer travel. So we didn't do anything too nuts. I didn't find your gay burger bar in the end, Aww. sadly. Um, so we, d- we, d- we didn't have a, a quintessentially queer experience in Paris. Um, but it was so nice just to be there and just to drink up the atmosphere of it. It was it was absolutely lovely. Um, I love Paris. It's such a beautiful city. Oh, it's just it's just such an energy about it as well. There was just certain parts of it we were just so comfortable. Um, you know, there was like couples like around the Champ de Mars at the Eiffel Tower, like seen quite a few queer couples as well. Just so comfortable. I see you went to that hot chocolate bit. We did. We. I've been there too. What? Which? Are, are you talking about Carette at the? At the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was. Is that the name of it? Yeah, I well, just know it as the hot chocolate, bit, <laughs> where they give you a bowl of whipped cream. Yeah. To chuck on top of that. Now, bear in mind, it would have been lovely and cozy for you. I went in the height of July during a heat wave. I well, do you know that's funny because I was just about to say that I've only ever been to Paris in like the the fall and the winter, mm-hmm. um, and it's nice because 
get lights up at night, you get your van show, your hot wine, cut about the city, walk about the parks in the Champs-Élysées with absolutely stuttered on hot wine, um, which I, I love that for me. That's a bit of me, that is, actually. That does sound very Just you. cutting about Hugo Boss. <laughs> What's that TikTok I sent you the other night? Which, which one? Sex is good and all, but... Oh, um, my God, with the charcuterie board. The charcuterie board and the wine. <laughs> and the wine, yeah. Oh. Bit of me, that was. That is a bit of us, <laughs> honestly. So um, you went to the hot chocolate bit. We did. Which is just rare. Oh, so it nice. Was stunning. Do you know, it caused a bloody hassle, though, because my wee sister went on and on and on about getting this bloody hot chocolate and there was a queue to bloody Brazil yep. and beyond. And it was, oh, we ended up going there for breakfast on our last day, actually. Basically had the hot chocolate, went for a wee wander and headed to the airport. So... So easy to get to the airport as well. Oh, I know. Well, uh, well, actually, it is and it isn't because when we were Although, there, were you at CDG or Orly? We flew from Charles de Gaulle, so mm. it was an absolute nightmare. Though there was, so th- there were, I think, two storms, two different storms hit Paris oh, in the time oh that we were Christ. there. So there were disruptions on all the metro lines. Um, there were strikes happening at the same time. There were works happening in a bunch of stations. So the metro was next to useless. We were also staying in Saint Louis, so to get to the apartment that we, because we were renting an apartment, to get out there, um, it was on Metro Line 13, that was down, like for the entirety of the trip. Um, there was absolutely no way that we were getting out to, to, to the apartment on the Metro, so we just had to take Ubers everywhere, spent a fortune. <laughs> yeah, they're not cheap in Paris. No, I mean, it wasn't as expensive as I thought it could have gotten, to be fair, for the Ubers. It's about as comparable to, like, London. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't... It wasn't... I'll tell you, what was through the roof expensive was these bloody croissants. <sighs> you what? went to the wrong place. No, well, 100%. And I had... I will die on this hill. I had this fight with Derry and my wee sister. But... It was very much that traveling with a young person, getting to that point where she was like, I'm hungry, and she had to eat right then and there, throw herself into the nearest available cafe, Kelsey's nine Expensive body croissant. No, thank you. Not into that. We kept going to the... So we stayed in Noisy-le-Grand, which is just outside of Paris. Yeah. The whole town speaks French, not a lick of English. <laughs> so you have to you have to try and speak French because otherwise nothing's happening. Yeah. Um it is like this little forgotten corner of Paris and I love it. Um but all the patisseries are so well priced. Yeah. Everything's fresh, like literally made in the morning fresh. So good. So good. And the market Oh, <laughs> the market. Oh, we love a market. The cheese. The only thing that put me off, though, was they sold horse meat there, Ooh. which obviously is like a thing there. Yeah. No, thank you. No, not not for me. Not for me. Not for me. I'm quite adventurous, but that's a step too far for well, me. Well, that, like that time you ate that fucking poor octopus in Greece. Oh, oh I chow down many an octopus in my day. <laughs> oh, I can't oh. think. I was watching a wee video in fact, Dylan was round as well. We were what, just scrolling through TikTok and we were looking and, and this video came up of these two octopuses helping each other from a shark, like hide from a shark. Oh, wow. <laughs> so intelligent. Like this little octopus found this coconut that covered the hole perfectly where these two octopuses were hiding. Yeah. Hid themselves. The sharks went away. The octopuses went out and the octo- octopus that was saved gave the other octopus a hug. Oh, that's 
really sweet. And I just turned to Dylan and I went, Rudy fucking ate him the other day. I but do you know what? I said this to you and I, I like I, again I'll die on this hill. I said this to you when we were in Athens. There are plenty of video of a sad wee cow, a wee calf, a wee cow doing something off his feet, giving the farmer's hand a lick. And you think, oh, I'm that's... not eating a wee calf, though. We, well, no, but they grow up to be big coos. I'm okay when it's a big coo because they're nose cute. Oh, I'd beg to differ. Right, well, we'll... But... I'll die on that hill. <laughs> <laughs> So you're just back from Paris. Indeed. All is good. Well, I... Well, you know I'm going to Spain in May. I I think at the back of my brain I did know that. Well, it's for Mum's 60th. Oh, I We're did know We've, that. we've yeah, rented yeah, yeah. a villa in Spain. I'm going to New York in September. <gasps> Stop. Yeah. Does this off the back of your... So, what it, so you know Amy and Ryan? Yeah, yeah. My friends... They're turning 30 next year. Uh-huh. And we've decided as a group we're going to go to New York. Love that. Which will be lovely. I've never been to New York. Murray's just back. Yeah, I was going to say, is this off the back of Murray just coming back? He's just back. Um, Amy's been countless times. She loves it there. Yeah. Ryan's been before. In fact, the last time Ryan went, he had to come home early because of the COVID pandemic. Because the country went into lockdown while he was there. Oh, that's a wee shame. It's awful. Just awful. But they've all been. I've never been. No. So we'll we'll just have to see. And Murray went, oh, we could do all the touristy things so you can see all the touristy things. Like Amy's like, yeah, 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 we'll go and do like the Statue of Liberty. I'm like, listen, I've seen a big French statue. <laughs> I didn't need to see another one. I'll, I'll happily, like, if we pass it, like, oh, look, mm. Statue of Liberty. Do, do you know that's I... That, that that's probably about the one touristy thing in New York that I think I'd really like to see. Outside of the gay stuff, outside of like Stonewall and you know Well, we're staying right near the clubs. The big drag clubs. Love so this. we're definitely going on a drag night while we're there. hundred percent. Like I need to experience like drag nightlife in New York. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to paying the drink prices, but nah. we've already started saving. Love that. Which is great. That's very fiscally so, responsible of you, Joe. It is, it is. So holidays are plenty in 2024, <laughs> which is just marvellous. I'm still trying to convince myself that we can go to Amsterdam as well. Oh, we love a wee Amsterdam trip. We do. We absolutely do. Absolutely but we'll see that. what we'll see what 2024 brings. If you'd like to book Madame Joe, please book Madame <laughs> Joe. So Madame Joe can go on more holidays. Uh, well, listen, I think we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we're going to discuss... The brand new cabinet for <laughs> our Prime Minister. Well, I say our Prime Minister. The Prime Minister. He's not my Prime Minister. <laughs> uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Thank you for sticking with us here on Speaking Queerly. Um, Rudy. Joe. The Prime Minister has a brand new <laughs> cabinet. Hi, the Prime Minister should have just cut out the middleman and gone to Ikea. In my view. Well, you're no kidding. <laughs> but, ding dong, the witch is sacked. She absolutely is. And that is the Christmas miracle <laughs> come early. That it is. Week. It is the Christmas miracle. We just need a general election now. Absolutely. But we have a brand new cabinet, entirely uh, gleaming new, with some surprise entrance into that, <laughs> which we'll get to in a moment if you've 
seen the news, you'll already know that uh, who we're talking about. But let's start with the Home Secretary, James Cleverly. Absolutely. Um, so he's taking over from Suella Braverman. Boo, bro, Suella. <laughs> Boo, Ella. Boo, um, Ella. And he, and he was formerly the Foreign Secretary. Um, now, his stance on LGBTQI plus isn't entirely clear. It's not obvious. Yeah. Um, now, Cleverly never voted on same-sex marriage. Yeah. But he expressed his support for equality in a blog post from 2005. That's, he just said, I like marriage. Yeah. As simple as that. Um, He has said, gay marriage takes nothing away from heterosexual marriage. And while there will be civil partnerships which are done for the wrong reasons, the same can be said of straight marriage. Best of luck, I say. Yeah. I I, I think it is really unclear what his position is. And I think to be, be, and not to be super cynical about it and not to kind of rain on his parade before he's even really kind of settled into the, the role of Home Secretary, but... What we saw when Rishi Sunak came to power, when he put together that cabinet in the first place, was a a radical move towards the far right and a pandering towards the far right of the Conservative Party. Suella Braverman was just the most vocal, heinous uh, manifestation of that. And, um, you know... But we did see it in the previous Prime Minister's cabinet as well with the likes of Pretty Patel. Oh, absolutely. Um, and what's his name? The the one that looks like a Bino character. Um, oh, sheesh. Um, the posh one. Oh, Jacob Rees-Mogg. That's her. Oh, for goodness You sake. know, we did see far-right characters in that previous cabinet, but I do yeah. think that with that previous cabinet of um, Rishi Sunak's, it was definitely way heavier on the far right side of things absolutely i mean i think realistically we when when dear poor old david cameron who will come on to later um really fumbled the bag over brexit and took a gamble that he really shouldn't have taken and (laughs) ended up putting us into that mess the tory party really started to cannibalize itself you know theresa may at the time that she took the, the the position of prime minister they were calling it the poison chalice it was an untenable position she was holding space realistically for the party to just collapse in on itself and take a, a sharp snap to the right neck minute boris johnson uh, and i think it was around the time that we saw boris johnson come into position that we had that really uncomfortable snap in the uk towards that creepy identity politics that and yeah. we've talked about this in the past joe we've talked about how this has been a kind of something that we associate with America, you know, with the kind of the post-Trump years. Um, but we've, we've definitely had a similar trajectory in the UK and that, that came with Boris Johnson. His policies were hollow. There was nothing... He was hollow. Yeah, absolutely. There was there was nothing particularly sort of savvy or, um, you know, politically robust about the, the policy direction that he wanted to go in. He absolutely was pandering to this crazy far-right identity politics. For what reason, whatever his motivation was behind that is not entirely clear. But we saw a really disturbing move to the right very quickly yeah. within the Conservative Party and, you know, R- Rishi Sunak's uh, previous cabinet uh, was, I think the furthest reach of that. Um, and, and I think it was really, it was Suella Braverman and her toxic rhetoric that just took it that step too far. 
And quasi quartering as well. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, Wait, they're all. I'm thinking of. I think you're quasi quartering, um, Kemi Badnick. Yeah. R- really dodgy stuff <laughs> coming from Kemi Badnick. Mm. And, um, you know, the, K- Kemi Badnick is, is an interesting example because she's another one that she didn't vote on um, extending same sex marriage to Northern Ireland when that was uh, put before Parliament. And it's those abstentions that I think we need to watch out for. I think you're absolutely right. If you've got I the do. conviction of coming out and saying, I, I don't support that move, I don't support <laughs> that point of view, but at least you've put your cards on the table and made it clear mm-hmm. what your position is. If you support that move, absolutely, you know, it's clear that, you know, those kind of, um, you're, you're not necessarily motivated by that kind of homophobic rhetoric. But yeah. if you abstain from that vote, why? What is the reason for for your abstention on that? Is it some kind of personal motivation, um, which realistically shouldn't come into your politics because you're there to represent your constituents? Do you genuinely believe that it's not the the majority view held by the constituents that you're elected to represent, mm-hmm. or um, are you, you know? afraid to come out and take that hard position because you're afraid of that playing out negatively for you in the media yeah. so I'm there's very so there's so many possibilities for yeah. that uh, just coming back to james cleverly really quickly um he's also expressed support for lgbtq plus inclusive education okay. which is massive yeah and for lgbtq plus people to be in the military but he did face criticism when he said gay football fans would have to be respectful when travelling to Qatar for the World Cup. Yeah, dodge. Which, it is a bit dodge. Yeah, um, But, he's a big step up over Sue Ella Braverman. Oh my God, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, I, I suppose, take your um, the positives when you can take them. Um, now, on to something that wasn't on my bingo card for 2023, <laughs> specifically my political one. David Cameron, or should I say Lord David <laughs> Cameron, Lord. is taking James Cleverley's job as the Foreign Secretary. Now, nobody saw this coming. No. Nobody. I watched back clips from Downing Street yesterday of reporters genuinely, like, like going tits totally baffled because david cameron was walking into number 10 yeah which you know six years ago would have just been another day but yeah you know in 2023 it's not something anybody saw coming um now as the former prime minister as the (laughs) helps if i can put my teeth in and i'm not editing out we are real here um (laughs) now he was the former prime minister from 2010 to 2016 um, he has a long voting record on LGBTQ plus rights. He voted in favour of civil partnerships in 2004 and in favour of the Equality Act in 2007 and later voted in favour of same-sex marriage. Um, now, people forget about all this when it comes to th- particularly the early days of the Conservative Party's tenureship in number 10. Yeah, um, they really do forget about it because David Cameron and Nick Clegg, who was the Lib Dem coalition leader, yeah, um, they were both big, big advocates for for gay marriage. Yeah, um, which makes me wonder, and I'm just looking at the big picture here, specifically with James Cleverly being somewhat positive mm-hmm. on the, the 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 queer rights thing. 
Do you think Rishi Sunak's panicked because everything was pointing really far right? It wasn't working out, and now he's trying to bring it maybe back yeah. to center right. Absolutely. I, I, I personally, I think two things about this, and I think that they're both true at once. I think you're absolutely right. Um, we know for a fact that the Conservatives are polling terribly at the moment and they have lost an enormous enormous amount of support in the blue wall the um, by-elections alone yeah speak a thousand words Ab- absolutely i and think they've retained one seat completely they're, they're they're doing atrociously and we know that where they've lost a lot of their support is in the blue wall that's you know your home counties um yeah. sort, sort of area where they've historically had a, a high level of support now those people they're conservative like I'm not fond of this expression, but you know, let's just say they're conservative with a, with a small C. They 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 tend to sort of have this village bake sale kind of do you know what I mean traditional British values point of view, but they're not hard right mm-hmm. bigots. They might be cynical around issues like immigration, but they're not necessarily 100% entirely shut the borders, build a wall, Trumpian style opposed to immigration. So. They've lost a massive amount of support there. And I think where they've picked up a lot of support, you know, within the hard right, your sort of football hooligan psychopath groups that turned out and defaced the Senate half at the weekend. Um, they're not historically a group of people who are likely to go and register to vote and show a lot of interest or stay politically motivated through an election campaign. They're not going to save them. They're not going to take them over the no, line. So no. they're going to have to pivot back towards, you know, their traditional voter base and get some of that moderate support back. Yeah. And so you're absolutely right. I think bringing David Cameron in is an attempt to do that. But the other thing as well is that you rightly said it wasn't on your bingo card. The reporters were going absolutely nuts. This is going to occupy and like keep in the media attention for quite some time. Now, Suella Braverman was going nuts in the last couple of months before she resigned. And I think it's fair, you know, say what you want about her. She she is an absolute nutcase, but I, I think that she also as a politician would have understand that her position at some point was going to become untenable if she didn't kind of toe the line in respect of not challenging the prime minister's authority i wonder whether or not she was setting herself up for a martyrdom she's wanted to be sacked she's tried to push the push the boat out as far as she can um looking to get sacked to make a martyr of herself so that she can then establish a leadership bid around that and challenge the prime minister's authority she is not being platformed in the media or getting an opportunity to do that because all anyone wants to talk about is how ridiculous it is that David Cameron is back in government. Yeah. Back in government really without even big, occupying a seat in the Commons. Totally. So, big I mean, it, it's holding all the media attention and she's not getting an opportunity to then come back in and attack the Prime Minister for his decision. I think Rishi has been very smart here. Yeah, he's I played really a, do. a real blind Um So, David Cameron, is he an unelected failed politician who shouldn't be there or is he just a stroke of genius when it comes to this political game of chess that is just getting wilder by the day yeah absolutely i mean it's i think time will tell totally i mean you know they could have brought back theresa may she she still occupies her seat in the House of Commons. She's also a former She's prime minister. She's such a hun. She was Home Secretary, so she she you know she did also have a 
a cabinet position because, you know, remember David Cameron never occupied a position in cabinet. He only ever was the prime minister. He was never sub, you know, subordinate to any yeah. other member of the government. So interesting, um, very, interesting to kind of very to, interesting. To look at the dynamics at play there. And next up, and um, um, I think we'll make this the last one, Steve Barclay has been named the new Environment Secretary. Uh, he was f- the former Health Secretary. Um, and I think a lot of LGBTQ plus voters will be quite happy to see him removed from the Health Post yeah, um, due to his comments about trans patients. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So in a speech at the Conservative Party conference in October, Barclay spoke out about his plans to introduce sex-specific language throughout the health service. Um, Sure. (laughs) Why not? In the same speech, he announced plans to ban trans people from single-sex wards. Um, It's... You know, this position, the Environment Secretary, is quite a big position within the Cabinet. So is the Health Secretary role. Um, Are you happy to see him removed from the Health Secretary role, considering that he doesn't seem to have a favourable view on trans people? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, what we were seeing, uh, you know, in respect of recent policies around trans healthcare are just absolutely shocking. Um, so I don't think anybody is going to lament <laughs> Steve Barkley taking a sharp shift uh, away from the health portfolio. Um, I think that he could cause a lot of damage there. It uh, has caused a lot of damage there, in fact. And I, I genuinely think that he, he must bring something to the table for Rishi to keep him. Yeah. But I, I think Rishi was getting uncomfortable. Even after Rishi's comments about a man is a man, a woman is a woman, mm-hmm. which is bullshit, even after those comments, I think he's starting to go, I've went too far. Yeah. And I think he's really panicking and really just shifting about just to make sure he's covering his own ass. Well, um, Suella Braverman's letter to the Prime Minister was quite recently just released in the media there. Um, I I read it literally just before coming on the show. I I haven't seen it yet, full disclosure. Well, she, in in, in the letter, she she clearly sets out that she had put together a, a document uh, that she made a, a a condition of her accepting the position as Home Secretary under Rishi Sunak um, at the time that, that he uh, took over the Prime Ministership. And she talks about how she set out in that document very specific hard lines on immigration and also on um, evidently on trans issues uh, because she's talking very much about single-sex spaces and the protection of single-sex language in schools, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So she clearly has that very... Uh, a very turfy agenda Um, and it looks like that was very much set as a precondition of her entering into cabinet so it kind of sounds like she has had the prime minister by the throat uh, and kind of holding him to account on certain issues and and she, she complains in her letter that she felt that he was not fully behind her on those issues and that he was uh, at certain points actively rejecting her position and her policies so i'm I'm, you know absolutely never ever ever coming out in defense of rishi sunak here um but one has to wonder based on what she's you know penned in this letter whether or not she really has been the driving force between some of that hard right rhetoric that we've seen Mm -hmm. certainly she's been the most vocal on it yeah no absolutely um very interesting time in British politics. We'll have to see 
what happens next um, we'll cover that in a couple of weeks time <laughs> um because next week um obviously we're recording next week's episode right after this <laughs> um but we've got a fun one coming up for you for for next week's episode i'll keep hush hush at the moment um listen we're gonna be back in just a moment and we will be getting a wee queer fact so we will so sit tight Welcome back to Speaking Queerly, Rudy. Joe. Can I have a queer fact? <laughs> you absolutely can, if I can have a jingle. Sure. Um... So we've been talking on the show so far. It's been a very Tory-heavy show. <laughs> um, and we've been talking about the, the uh, Prime Minister's new cabinet and one of the shock re-entrants to the government, despite not having a position in the House of Commons anymore, is Lord Cameron, former Prime Minister, uh, who served between 2010 and 2016. Um, so we thought it would be fun to just do a little timeline uh, of David Cameron's position uh, on LGBTQ rights and what they looked like under his government. Uh, because as we were discussing earlier, we did see a sharp shift uh, in attitude back towards the far right and a, a much more homophobic administration come into place after his time. Um, so between 2005 and 2010, David Cameron was the leader of the Conservative Party before he became Prime Minister. Um, and during this period, the party was really undergoing a significant rebranding process and they were attempting to adopt much more inclusive policies, much more specifically LGBTQ plus rights centred initiatives and uh, they, were, they were making moves to have those much more prominently featured in their uh, legislative agenda um, for that election period. Um, in 2010, David Cameron became the Prime Minister of the UK uh, and his government initially faced criticism for a lack of clarity on LGBTQ rights issues. But in 2011, the coalition government, led by Cameron, announced its intention to introduce legislation for marriage equality. And that signalled a, a really significant shift in the Conservative Party's stance on LGBT, LGBTQ rights uh, historically. Uh, by 2013, the Marriage Same-Sex Couples Act was passed under Cameron's leadership, which legalised same-sex marriage in England and Wales. Uh, the legislation followed opposition within the Conservative Party, but Cameron actively supported and championed the cause. And then in 2015, the first same-sex marriages took place in England and Wales, marking a significant milestone in LGBTQ rights during Cameron's tenure. Um, obviously, David Cameron's government did play a pivotal role in advancing LGBTQ plus rights through the legalization of same-sex marriage. Uh, it is essential to note that his position and the Conservative Party's stance has evolved over time. There were real internal divisions within the party on these issues. So there have historically still been that real undercurrent of opposition and right-wing opposition to um, LGBTQ plus rights within the Conservative Party. But we were seeing a much gentler, much more sympathetic leadership under David Cameron and early Theresa May when we entered the Boris Johnson years we saw a really disturbing flip uh, back towards um, a bit of a homophobic agenda so uh, hopefully hopefully signaling positive things uh, for the LGBTQ plus community to see a, a more moderate conservative backing government but let's not 
Let's not be under any illusions. I'm <laughs> I'm no counting my chickens. Absolutely not. I'm not. Um, but nonetheless, we were talking outside about what we should call this episode, um, <laughs> considering it's been very conservative heavy. Absolutely. Um, we've got some good suggestions. Tory a new arsehole. <laughs> uh, and you were like, what could I rhyme story and Tory? How could I work that? And I was like, what's the story in Balatory? <laughs> Absolutely feral. So there's options. There are definitely options. There's there options. are options. Um, right. Well... <laughs> what we're going to talk about now? Uh, no, I'll tell you what we'll talk about now. I'm trying to think. Cough it up. Sorry. I. <laughs> I. Oh my god. Are you good? I'm having a wee. I'm having. I don't know. I'm just having a bit of a reaction to moving. Oh, moving on from all this political news. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should move on to something a little bit more Dumfriesier. Absolutely. Because uh, I was trying to think back to the intro. What did I say we were going to talk about? <laughs> what could be more Dumfries than Tories? <laughs> well, <laughs> slow fashion, apparently. Absolutely. Slow fashion. Now, Circle Vintage, mm-hmm. big brand here in Dumfries. They, they are, are a vintage fashion store. They used to have a shop. They're now solely online, uh, which is fab. And they've got a really good shop. I'll, I'll plug their website when I get a link in a minute. Um, <laughs> but you can look up The Circle Vintage on Facebook and it'll, it'll come up. Um, or Instagram. And every year they put on a fashion show, a slow fashion show called Redress. And it returns this Saturday at... Easterbrook Hall for the first time. Very nice. Yes. Um, very exciting. Looking forward to it. I will be your MC. <laughs> um, and I'll be doing a couple of numbers as well. Of course um, you very will. exciting. But the, um, they registered a new tartan. Have they actually? Have you not seen it? I have not. It's lovely. It's like yellow and shit. Oh, oh the Barclay tartan's yellow. Oh. That's. Uh, that's a, a wee family tartan. Rock on, sister. Um, me. Mine's is like orange and purple. It's kind of gross. Well, the Barclay tartan looks a wee bit like sick because it's yellow. Mm. So I'm, I'm this sh- is more of a fluorescent yellow. Oh, right. Okay. It's quite camp. Um, so the Redress and Circle Vintage have registered their own tartan. Very and nice. that is going to be revealed. Like the piece is going to be revealed at this fashion show. But the tartan, you can already see the tartan. It's absolutely stunning. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Dumfries slow fashion movement at the centre of the slow fashion movement. Absolutely. Adorable. It's camp. Do you know, um, it really isn't. I, I think it's something that I would like to be um, a lot more invested in and a lot more, like, I, I really, I've totally fallen off the the news circuit in relation to it. I've, I've been so busy, I haven't, got any kind of background to it but i really really enjoyed the last rock for redress you were hosting that one as well with chelsea with chelsea nash um friend of the pod <laughs> and you know that was a really really fun night i went with my mum uh, and ended up spending the night with uh, my mum fiona jones and divine tension it was a it was a fun wee group yes um and um it was just it it, it was really nice to see the kind of the caliber of the outfits and stuff that were coming down, you know, there, there was a lot of artistry. Oh, I it think, was involved. gorgeous. I mean, the the um the the runway segment 
was just absolutely unbelievable. It was. It was really, really fantastic. Um, Dan and Marie put on a fantastic show last year, as, uh, as well as everyone who was involved, the models, uh, myself and Chelsea, the production team, which included your husband last year, your fiancé. Yeah. Your fiancé, sure, so yeah, Indeed. Let's not, <laughs> let's not go jump in the gun yet. Um, <laughs> Your lovely fiance, um, who was who I did actually shout at last year. I feel kind of bad. Oh, I was I was feeling some kind of way. I was in my diva mode. We love a diva. Derry knows that. Oh, Derry is a fine. diva. Derry is a diva. <laughs> if he is a diva, he won't admit it, but he is. Oh, he is. Oh, he is. Um, but yeah, no, it was a fantastic show. I'm looking forward to seeing this year's show. I've got. Uh, I can go up for a wee rehearsal on Friday, so I can. Love that. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Dumfries, fashion, movement, rare. <laughs> Just rare. Um, if you are in the Dumfries area on Saturday, I'm sorry to say it is sold out. I oh, believe. Actually? I believe it is. Oh, well, that's fantastic news, but also very disappointing news because I've no bottle ticket yet. <laughs> I'll see if I can speak to Dana Marie. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, but listen, yeah, um, if, if you can get a ticket one way or another, beg and plead with a friend who may have got <laughs> tickets. Um, or if you know an MC who is hosting the thing, get yourself up there. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we will be back just shortly with Read It, Read It. Love that. Welcome back to Speaking Queerly. It is time... For Read It, Read It, here's the jingle. We love a jingle. We absolutely do. We love a jingle. Um, Right. So this one coming from the subreddit Confessions. We love a confession. We Love a confession. Welcome to church. This one posted by Nat Walt Hill. Um, so yeah, let's get into this. Disgusted by erected dick somehow. <laughs> Mood. So let's get into this. So um, yeah, the title pretty much says everything, but here's the story. There is this guy, he's my co-worker, and we've been casually flirting... F- on Friday nights out. Two weeks ago, he said that he likes me. This Friday, he decided to invite me over to his house. I told him that we would not be having any sexual interaction. I'm a virgin, by the way. And he was like, yeah, we're not having sex until you decide otherwise. So we were talking, and next minute, he just decided to give me a hug. Like, literally just a hug. And I felt his erection and was instantly pretty disgusted by it. I even felt just a bit nauseous because of that, and I don't know how to stop feeling like it. I know this might be the stupidest thing you've ever read, but yeah, I guess stupid shit happens to our brains. I know he was not trying to do anything. He's pretty chill dude, and I know that the problem is me, probably. Interesting. Yeah. Are you disgusted by a wreck, Dick? Absolutely not. (laughs) Um, Wow. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. What do you think the issue is there? I'm not sure. I mean, that's, I, f- I feel like 
I'm not sure that the context is super clear. I mean, I don't think so. When typically, when you give someone a hug, <laughs> you shouldn't have a raging hard on. Let's just be clear about that. I mean, obviously, depends on the context, but it doesn't sound like the guy should. Do you know what I mean? No, it's 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 a lot for a hug. Completely, like, could you imagine just like hugging a friend? <laughs> no, absolutely. And then out of nowhere, it's like. Like, oh, I haven't have you seen got, you in a while. Have you got a jumbo butter sausage in your pocket? <laughs> Greasy. Uh, uh, I love that we could do this now. <laughs> I, f- I mean, I feel like if somebody just cut, like, if you're clear, there's going to be no sexual contact, and then someone goes to give you a hug, a particularly unprovoked hug, because it sounded like, you know, that's what the, the person was saying, and then they've got a, a raging erection. <laughs> I would feel some type of way about that also, I think, as well. And also, what kind of a hug do you have to be having with someone that suddenly you're like, yeah. Well, the top comment literally says, if I have a boner and I hug someone, I usually keep my waist away from them. Yeah, absolutely. Also, why, still, it begs the question, why do you have a boner if you're hugging someone? Um, Is this a straight Reddit? It could be. Because I feel like there are... Well, let's, there is an edit. Okay. Just to maybe help us out a little bit. They say, edit to make everything clear. One, I am not traumatized. Two, I do not have any traumatic past experiences with men, religion, family, etc. Three, I am not a lesbian. FS sake. Wow. That was... And number four, I am not asexual either. Hmm. Those are in block capitals. Clearly... Clearly emotional. Triggered by those. Yeah. <laughs> um, but listen, listen. I don't think you have to be asexual or a lesbian to be disgusted by someone giving you a hug and them having a boner. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it seems to me, I don't know, I just think it's weird. Like, the, the title of the post, oh, I'm dis- disgusted by erect penises. Okay, love that for you. But then the, the, the story is about, okay, so your co-worker came out with you and then gave you a hug and you could feel his erect penis. Maybe like, you're just not attracted to him. Yeah, absolutely. And also, the context of that is pretty weird. Like, do you know? like do- it's. I mean, I know I'm illiterate, but like even reading that was quite difficult because there was a lot of spelling errors and stuff and there was no context as to you know why he might have an erection or anything like that yeah that's difficult to like it didn't say oh we were hugging in his bed or you know we were yeah just a hug yeah like so that is weird it is weird let's let's uh would you be traumatized if someone tried to hug you and they had an erection that wasn't dairy um would I be traumatized? <laughs> I've I lived quite hard um, <laughs> from 2016 to 2020. Um, you keep that information to yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, I d- look. I don't think me personally. I don't think I'd be traumatized. You'd be like, oh, I think I'd have questions. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or you might. I don't know if I'm just a bit blasé about these things. I but think I think I would just try and pass it off. Would just be like. I can just imagine like a situation <laughs> unfolding like where someone gives me a hug and walks off and I'd turn to you, for example, and be like, you had a hard on. <laughs> yeah, that boy had a boner there. Off his stiff. me right in the belly button. <laughs> Crikey. Well. That's a lot. That is a lot. And that 
is the end of Speaking Queerly episode three. <laughs> Thank goodness. Can we, can we get a collective? Oh. Thank you so much to the Stove Network for allowing us to use their equipment and their space. A big thank you to you, Ruri, for being my lovely co-host. You're most welcome. Thank you, Joe. And thank you for listening at home. My name has been Madam Joe Mama. And please tell your cat, I said, Lord David Cameron. (laughs) 